You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Eddie Tilly. Yes, we love you, Dad. Yeah, so every dad, granddad in the room, go ahead, stand up so we can recognize you. That's it. Stand up. Don't be, don't be bashful. I know you don't want to, but you need to. Every dad online, applause for y'all. Stay standing up. Don't you sit. Don't you sit down. Don't you sit down. Stand back up. Sitting down. No, don't sit down. All right, stay standing. Stay standing. All right, because what I know about dads, there's some of you dads in here, you're standing up right now, and you're like, man, if they only knew what's going on in my house, they would not have me standing right now. (laughs) Here's the deal, okay, everybody in the room, everybody online, all right, we all fall short, right, we're doing the best that we can, and here's what I'm going to try to do this service, I'm going to try to build you guys up, I want y'all to know how valuable you are to God, and I'm going to prove it to you according to his word, so even right now, if you don't feel like it, even right now, if your life circumstances say, oh, that's not true, God says it is true, so we'll go one more round of applause for everybody, so you guys to understand that, that is the truth. All right, now you can sit down, chomping at the bit to sit down. Well, I can honestly tell you, like Keith said, you know, being a husband and father, there is no greater joy in the world. I have been with my high school sweetheart for 42 years. We've been married for 32 years. We have two awesome and amazing children, one of which is sitting on the front row, my daughter, and, um, you know, if, if I were to tell you the truth about being a husband and a father, I would say for all of us as men, our life is defined by moments, right? There's these moments in time that happen, and, and, and it does something on the inside of us. It's like a stake is driven down on the inside of us. And for me, that happened back in the early 90s. I was coming here to Cathedral, brand new Christian, didn't know anything about church, didn't know anything about God, for sure did not know anything about being a husband or a father, and I was not a father yet. And I was invited over to the senior pastor's house by Miss Dean, his wife, to write a drama. We were going to write a drama for the weekend. I really didn't know them. She had just heard that I wanted to kind of experiment with uh, writing. Um, I wasn't doing anything on the stage at all. And so she just asked me to come to her house and, and write a drama. So I went over to their house. Pastor Mike wasn't there. Miss Dean was there, her girls were there, Miss Dean's best friend was there, her son was there, um, their niece was there, and this house was crazy. They were laughing and doing skits and singing songs and just carrying on, all this life, just having so much fun, and I'm sitting there having this conversation in my head. Uh, You can knock it off anytime. I get it. You're trying to make yourselves look good. I know y'all are the church family, senior pastors. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Y'all cut the act, okay? Because nobody acts like this. Like, this is crazy. And after a while, it kept going. And it kept going. And once I got past the fact that I don't think we're going to write a drama. I don't think we're going to get to that. I just got caught up in everything that they were doing in the life that was in that house. And it impacted me. I went home to my wife, and I said to her, I said, Susan, I said, I just saw a picture of what I want our family to look like. I've never seen anything like that. And it just registered in me. 
And I think I did a pretty good job because now, fast forward a couple of decades, my daughter graduates from Clemson. She makes the poor choice of staying in Clemson instead of coming back to Charleston. So she's still up there. And she meets a young man. Yep. Things begin to get serious. Serious enough for her to bring him to Charleston to meet the family. Now, I'm sure she told him about our family. But he comes for the weekend. We spend the weekend together. And on the drive home, he has this conversation with her. What was that? <laughs> People don't act like that. All this talking and connecting and staying at the one or two. Where's the family drama? Where's all the yelling and the, you know, where's that? Where's the real life? And it so impacted him, and I know it impacted him, and I know it registered with him and made a big difference in his life because this just happened a month ago. Boom. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. So I have a new son-in-law, and I love him dearly. Great guy. Sitting on the front row, by the way. Awesome, awesome guy. So, but here's my point to all that, and here's what I'm hoping to convey to you today. That, that kind of a family, that kind of a life, that kind of an atmosphere that, that children can grow up in where there's love and there's laughter and there's safety and there's connection and there's communication, that is God's design to be the building blocks for the strength and the fabric of our culture and our society. That is God's design. That's what He created and why He created it. And every man in here, no matter what your age, it doesn't matter if you're married yet or not, you are created and designed by God to be the guardian and the protector of that atmosphere. Pastor Mike wasn't at his house that day that I went over there. And he's not the laughy, jokey, funny, ha-ha guy. He loves being in that mix. He's the communication, talking. He's that guy, right? But what else he is, is he is a man of God who understands the importance of guarding the atmosphere of his home, of having a transactional relationship with God where his heart and his life is constantly changing, is constantly getting molded closer and closer to the heart of Jesus. It's the same thing with me. I know what y'all think about my house because y'all say it to my wife all the time. They say, oh my gosh, I bet Eddie is hilarious when y'all are at the house. I bet it's nonstop laughter. Well, we, there is a lot of laughter in my house, but it's not me. It's my wife and kids. They're constantly coming up with things and doing things that make us all laugh and have fun. But what I'm always doing is I'm so aware of that atmosphere. And every morning I'm getting up and I'm going and I'm spending time with the Lord and having this transactional relationship where, God, what do you need to change in me? What do I need to do as a man, as a husband, as a father to guard this atmosphere, this home, this family that we have? And that's what God wants for every single man in here. So kind of my theme for today is superhero dads. Because you are dads, every single one of you. You are. You are a superhero. And I'm going to prove that to you in the Scripture. And I'm not talking about what's going on in your life right now. Some of you might be rocking it, and some of you might be getting rocks thrown at you. I don't know where you're at. Wherever you are, I want you to hear the truth of who God says that you are. And I want you to walk out of these doors today so aware of the big old S that is on your chest. Because there is one. And God put it there. 
It is a God design for every single person in here. So if we're going to talk about superheroes, y'all know me. I, I, I know a lot of, if you don't know me, I love movies. I'm a movie guy, especially now in the summertime movies. Top Gun Maverick. Oh, so good. All right, let me get off of that. I didn't talk about that last service. I'm going to get sidetracked. But I just love movies. So this is kind of the same thing, right? So what I'm going after today, if I were to look at it in, in, in context of if it were a movie, you always have to look at the cast, right? So you have the hero, which is every man in this room. So every man in this room, you're the hero of the story. I'm going to prove that to you. I'm going to show that to you. Then you have your supporting cast. Who are the supporting cast? Ladies, we need y'all. Oh, but amen. Glory. <laughs> Glory, Destiny. You know what, Destiny, I just figured out when you fell for Richard. I've, you know, I've never asked Destiny and Richard when that happened. But I don't know if y'all noticed in that Serve Day video, but there was a scene where we were digging that ditch and Richard had his hands down in there, put, and the guns were popping. I said, oh, okay, that's when that happened. Yeah. Yeah, see, see, Destiny's flashing back right now. You over there doing this, right but we do, ladies, we need you. This is not about a man dominance thing. This is not about a man domineering thing. I'm going to show you in the scriptures of how God designed it and the crucial role that you play. And we need you. We have to have you. I could not be near the man I am without my wife. It is crucial to who we are. They're not two separate entities. They're not, it's not that you be you and I'll be me. It's somehow we're connected and we're joined together in such a way, supernaturally even, in that we need your full support. And I know sometimes you'll see something laid out like this, and I'll talk about you know, how God has, has called the man to be the head of the home and, and, and to be all this covering, this protection and all. And sometimes I'll have somebody say back to me, well, Eddie, I just don't see that in my husband. That might be the problem because God's called you to see it and God's called you to call it out and he's called you to support it and he's called you to speak life into it. So I'm going to tell you right now, every man in this room, the one person who has the most permission to speak into their life is you. Nobody else can speak into their life like you can. So that's our cast. Now we have to talk about our villain because every story has to have a villain. And ours does too. And of course we know ultimately the ultimate villain is Satan, the enemy. And we know that we don't battle against flesh and blood, right? We battle against this evil wickedness, these spirits, these powers that follow Lucifer. That's the, that's the true enemy. But there's always a technique. There's always a scheme. There's always a method. And this is what I feel like I'm bumping up against today in bringing this message to you. I think this describes very accurately the enemy that we're up against today. And it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. It says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. If ever there was a time in the history of our nation when we were up against strongholds of human reasoning and false arguments, it is now. All this mess that we're facing in our culture, there is no other group of people under a greater attack than men. And there is a reason. Because in God's economy, in God's order, God has called us to be at the top of this thing. And you take out the head, you take out everything underneath it. 
That is the plan. That is the battle plan, and that is what we're up against. All right. So let me go to Ephesians and read for you the, the passage of Scripture. You know, you got to know the plot of the movie, right? So this passage in Ephesians pretty much sums up the whole thing, and I'm going to go to different pieces of it, but I want to give this to you just as a big, broad picture. This is God's design. This is the way God designed this whole thing to work. Is Ephesians chapter 5. And further, talking to husbands and wives. This is the spiritual model for how God called us to operate as husband and wife. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, talking about Jesus, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands... This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So God set this order into place. This is his design, how it's supposed to work. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. The wife submits to the husband. The husband and the wife submit to one another in this whole atmosphere of love and understanding. And we're to grow and develop that. But I ran across this video of a guy who just said it so much better than, than I could have made up something to put into words. And, and he's a, a basketball coach at Texas A&M. And very successful. So when it comes to worldly success, especially in the world of sports and, and hitting the big time and making the big money and all of that, he's very successful. But I want you to listen to that man who's reached that kind of a pinnacle in the world and listen to what his true dreams and aspirations are as a man. Listen to his words. What's your, what's your dream, Coach? I want to be famous in my kind of husband that I want to marry. I thought that was just such a great way to put it. And it really is truly that I believe is the dream, the seed that God puts into every single man. Every single one. I think we grow up innately wired for it. When I was a little boy, I can remember just I spent all my time at other people's houses because inside of me was something that I wanted, that sense of home and family. And I didn't get it in my own home, so I was constantly searching for it in other places. And that's a God-wired thing that is in us. We innately know that that's the way that it's supposed to be. We innately know that it's supposed to be a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, building a home together and a family together and raising children together in an atmosphere where they are encouraged and there's love and there's laughter and there are dreams and aspirations. We innately know that God puts that in our DNA. It is in there. And from the moment we become, we're little children, we become little boys and little girls, we hit that 12 or 13 age, we now enter into this time of training. to become that husband, that wife, that mother, that father that God has called us to be. And so I want to take just a moment and pause and recognize our single people. 
because I know we have singles, and I know a lot of times we get into a message like this, and I'll hear people say, well, it's a great message for the married people. Another one for them. I would sure would love to hear something about the singles. Well, I would love to include you in this because this really is an all-hands-on-deck thing. We've all got to be on the same page when it comes to what God has ordained for our society and our culture and for family. And it just so happens I've got a wonderful passage for every single person in this room. And it really, you know, because a lot of times for singles, it doesn't matter if you're single because you've never been married or perhaps you were married and now you're not married. There's, there's always this dilemma of what do I do? Like how, if, especially if you're on the other side of, of a divorce, how do I move forward? And it seems like there's all these different things you need to be doing when in all actuality, there isn't. There really is only two things. There is family and what you need to provide for family and there is God. And those are the two main things. And I want you to hear how Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 32. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing what? The Lord's work. And thinking how to please him, how to please the Lord. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. In other words, there is a division of your time and your energy and your efforts when you are married and when you have a family. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to who? The Lord. Not devoted to the pursuit of the next spouse. Not devoted to the almighty tender. All right, devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I love that passage of scripture because God himself is acknowledging that when you have a family, there, you only have X amount of time and energy and effort and your family now becomes top priority and you are serving the Lord by serving your family. They go hand in hand. And you start when you're young because when I look across this room and I look at all the men in the room, I see so many young men that are in training. And this is kind of the way I imagine it. I encounter guys sometimes and we'll have a conversation. Through the course of a conversation, I'll hear something. And it's like I can see that S that is on their chest. And when they tell me about this thing that has happened between them and the Lord, it's like I see that thing glow. And I think to myself, man, that right there, that is going to make you a great husband and a great father. I've got this collage of men um, that are kind of in my life. And I just want to share along those lines a couple with you, like MT, my man MT. MT was raised in the church as a young boy. His, his mother had him in church. He grew up in church. Church was the place for him to be. But as a young man, he made the decision to walk away from church. And he did. And he walked away from church. But it didn't take him long to figure out that there was nothing for him out there. The world did not have anything for him. It could not offer him anything to bring him peace and purpose. And, and he missed what he had in church. So he made the decision to come back to church. But not just come back to church and like come and attend on Sundays. He came and he dove in. He immersed himself in cathedral. He's now one of our youth leaders. He's involved in a lot of different ways even during the week here at the church. He's just an incredible mentor to young boys. And that is the thing that that is preparation. That is who God's called him to be. And I see that thing coming out in him that is going to make him an incredible father, an incredible husband. I think about Jamal. Jamal came into my office just last week and we were having this conversation. He was talking about a group that he wants to do. But in the course of that conversation, he said, yeah, he said, man, you know, Ben, our children's ministry director, came up to me and said, I'd really love you to, ha to have your help in the children's ministry. He's like, no, man, like, no, I don't do kids. 
That ain't now. Uh-uh. No, I don't do that kind of thing. That like y'all, y'all got somebody else for that. Like I don't. Mm-mm, no, that ain't my gig. He said. Then I go home, and the Lord started dealing with me. He said, "That's exactly what you need to do." He said, "I had to come back and tell Ben I want to be involved in the children's ministry." <laughs> that S was just glowing. That that's it. It's that, and that's what I, that's what I'm hoping you can catch. It's those little things. It's not these great big things that a lot of people would see and applaud. It's these little things that you know what, Eddie? I didn't think that was my thing, but I've got enough of a relationship with the Lord that He spoke to my heart and He said, "I know that you don't think that's what you're supposed to do, but I'm telling you that's what you need to do." And then you react to that. I think about my man Shane. Shane Shane is just one of those guys that he graduated from Cathedral Academy here. And he's one of those people that just attracted other young people. Everybody just looked up to him. And that's always such a crucial thing when you're in leadership. And and for those of us that were around him to see how is he going to lead these young people. And he's led them so well. Because you won't meet a stronger young man who has a stronger sense of values, of family, of being a good role model. A strong male role model model and he has that and now he's passing that on down to these others around him so that's why I say it doesn't matter if you're single we're all in training for this thing and it's more important about that time of being dedicated to the Lord and nurturing that transactional relationship where it's not just reading the Bible it's not just coming to the church there's something going on in your relationship with God where you are being changed it's not about changing the other person trust me I've complained to God about my wife first couple of years, and then he told me I was the problem. <laughs> I'm just kidding, baby. I never complained to God about you. I didn't, honestly. She's the best thing ever happened to me in my whole life. So, so that's what this is about. Um, so now I've got, a little, I've got a little cheesy thing to do with you guys, but y'all are going to love it because y'all love cheesy. So I'm going to give you a couple of lines. We're going to see if you recognize the movies where it comes from. This first one you're going to know for sure. So now, redirecting my attention back to the men. So here's my first statement. Your mission, Richard, should you choose to accept it. Where does that come from? Mission Impossible. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. That was the easy one. I gave you all that one. Now, the big question is, how many of you all, when I said Mission Impossible, got a picture of Tom Cruise in your head? How many of you got a picture of the old silver-headed fox man? I don't even know that actor's name, but, you know, a gray-headed man. Yeah, there you go, Angel. He old like me. Yeah, y'all didn't know there was somebody before Tom Cruise. Yeah, that was the OG that set the record for that thing. All right, all right, back in, back in here. So here is the mission. In order for us to understand the mission for every guy in here, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. God has created everything, including Adam. God has brought all the animals before Adam. He's named them all. And what that has resulted in, in Adam feeling very lonely. Because what Adam knew was God had a purpose and a mission for him on this earth. And he knew what that was. God had given it to him. It was this mission of going into the earth. And he had told him exactly what he wanted him to do. But Adam was like, but I'm doing this alone. And God saw that and he knew that it wasn't good. And he knew there was not any helper found suitable for for Adam among creation. And so he put Adam to sleep and he created Eve out of Adam. So he created Adam out of the dirt. That's why, if ladies, if y'all wonder why we are the way we are, we've created out the dirt. This is how, that's what God did. And the ladies were taken out of Adam. So here's the first marriage, right? Here you have now God bringing Eve to Adam, his daughter, and presenting his daughter to Adam, the very first act of marriage in the Bible, the very first man and very first woman. God literally walks her down the aisle and presents her to Adam. And when Adam sees her, 
In verse 23, I love this. At last, the man exclaimed. Sometimes y'all need to read that the way it says. He didn't say, oh, oh God, thank you. You have made somebody for me. He's like, at last. I didn't think we were going to find anybody. I, you know, I thought I was going to settle for a hippo, an elephant, a giraffe. I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't know who's going to help me. He's like, at last, he exclaimed. This is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This, this meaning bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. God's original purpose. I hear y'all right now. All y'all out there right now, y'all say, Eddie, that was before the fall. That was in the Old Testament before the fall. The fall happened. All that stuff fell apart. I knew y'all were going to say that. That's why I had to go find another passage of Scripture. Yep, yep. That's what God said. So God said that. So now I'm going to go see what Jesus did. Because you know the Pharisees, they challenged Jesus on this whole thing. They came to him. They challenged Jesus about divorce. Because there were some conditions that you could divorce your wife. And the Pharisees came at him about divorce. But I want you to look at how he responded to them. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? What's Jesus say? Haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them what? Male and... Say that again, please. Male and... Thank you, Jesus. Male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. That's very important because I'm telling you what's going on in our culture right now is our culture is trying to split apart what God has designed for man and woman. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't feminine men, and I'm not saying there aren't masculine women, but they are men and they are women, and they are designed by God, and they each have a role and a place. There are only two sexes. There's no X sex. There's no multiple sex. And God doesn't make any mistakes. And, and this, this is what you're witnessing is when a culture gets away from the truth of God's words. I got news for you. This, this is not old-fashioned. This word is not old-fashioned. It's not outdated. It's not not relevant. According to God Almighty, this is His word and His design. How does it impact a culture in that way? Because it is totally, totally, 100% natural and happens in every young person. I'll say every. In most young people, that there can be sometimes a same-sex attraction at some period of time growing up. And the way you help a young person navigate that is with the truth of what God's Word says about them. You don't make them feel bad about what's going on. You just help them navigate it. You just help them see at the end of the day, son, you are a man. At the end of the day, sweetie, you are a girl. I know you don't, right now it might be feeling weird and things are going on and swirling around. And I know there's all kind of stuff. And I want to help you navigate that. But this is when we got to stand even more on the truth of what God says. And once you get away from that, now you can have as many genders as you want. You can have as many sexes as you want. You can be whatever you want. Because now you, through the power of human reasoning and false arguments, are creating your own reality. Okay. All right. So I know. I, see, y'all arguing with me again. I done told you what God said. I just told you what Jesus said. And y'all like, Eddie, that's only two. Out of that whole Bible, you couldn't find but two. No, I didn't. 
I found one more. I'm going to show it to you right now. So I done told you what God said. God said, this is how I designed it. I done told you what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is how God designed it. Now I'm going to show you what Paul says. So this, so this is my third guy. I got the, my Bible. Here. Mm, flip that page. There you go. Going back to Ephesians 5, same, same chapter, chapter 5, verse 31. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, this is what I love about Paul's insight. He said, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I love what Paul says there. He says, it's a mystery. He's, and what he's saying is he's saying, look, in the same way that we really don't fully understand how us, the church, and Jesus Christ are one, it's, it's the same kind of thing that we don't fully understand how a man and a woman no longer are just a man and a woman, but they are something new, something supernatural happens. Because y'all do know that we are the bride of Christ, right? So we are the bride of Jesus Christ who is our head who is our husband, who is our groomsman, who's the person that we're going to be married to one day in heaven. It is the, it's the greatest thing ever, but it can be hard to understand. And Paul said in the same way, it is a great mystery, and it is a mystery, and it is supernatural. And I'm going to tell you, weird stuff happens in the supernatural. I know, I've got a couple of decades under my belt now. And there are some things that have happened that I can only explain them as supernatural. There's no other explanation. For instance, when my wife and I got married, she lost her hearing. Yeah, I don't mean she can't listen. She's a great listener. She listens with the best of them. She can listen till the cows come home. She is very good at that. But hearing the, the concept of noise traveling, she lost that ability. It just left. You know, like when I get up in the morning and I fix coffee, you know, I'm, I'm like a ninja. I'm moving nice and soft and quiet and I'm gently shutting and closing things. And, you know, I'm fully aware that, you know, you, you could wake somebody up. But when she gets up and she's fixing something, you know, she's going to open the cabinet. And as she walks away, she's going to give it a little tap. And it's going to bam. It's going to slam against there. She's going to come over here and open up that dishwasher and open it, rattle some cups around. You know, pull some, you know, noise traveling all, totally unaware, completely unaware. She lost her hearing. That's supernatural. You can't explain that. Now, in the same way, I lost my vision. Now, not my sight. I can see you. I can clearly see you. But my vision, I, I just lost it. I, I mean, how else do you explain this? Like, I can go to the refrigerator and open it up. Where's the ketchup? Oh, my gosh, are we out of ketchup again? It's right in front of your face. Oh, contraire, mon frere. It is definitely not right in front of my face. At which point she gets up and comes around to the refrigerator and reaches her hand in. And it goes through the veil into some abyss. And she gets it and pulls it and it manifests right there in front of my face. I can't, I lost it. I can't say, I lost my vision. And then with both of us, we collectively lost our ability to drive. And we can't. I'm telling you, it's supernatural. Now, if, if I'm driving in the car by myself, I'm great. If she's driving in the car by herself, she's great. But when we're both in the car together, I'm greatly diminished. The driving skills just go out. I mean, just the other day, I drove to Columbia and almost got in 500 accidents before I got to Columbia. I was almost run off the road 35 times. I wasn't even aware of it. She let me know. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, gosh, what is this? You can only describe that as something supernatural. You can't, that is not, that is not a natural thing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, they almost came up. And I'm like, what? I'm looking. I'm trying to see. I'm like, I thought I could. It's crazy. It is the craziest thing. 
It, yeah, y'all laughing because y'all definitely know. Y'all definitely know. All right. Okay. All right. So now let me jump back into my movie trivia. So now, dads, I'm going to give you the truth that you have a particular set of skills. What movie? Taken. Yes, the great Liam Neeson. His daughter gets kidnapped, and Liam Neeson gets one of the kidnappers on the phone and says, you don't know me, but I have a particular set of skills. Yeah, I'm about to take that sucker out. So dads, you have a particular set of skills too, and so I want to know. So this, we're having funny, funny, ha-ha, but now I need, we got to focus, all right? Everybody focus. Y'all quit laughing. All right. Okay, I need to read this scripture and I need to connect some dots, and I, and I, think, I think this is going to make sense to you. Going back to Ephesians 5, starting in verse 23, it says, For a husband is the head of his wife, as what? Christ is the head of the church. Let's say that again. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Okay, then I'm going to jump down to verse 25 and read those two verses. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave his life up for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of the word. So according to God, the husband is the head of the wife in the exact same way that Jesus is the head of the church. And so now with that in mind, I want to jump over to John and look at something that Jesus did with the disciples because it is something, it was the last thing that Jesus did with his disciples. So in Jesus' eyes, this would have been the greatest lesson that he was trying to get them to understand. They'd had the Last Supper, they'd eaten the meal together, and now they were finished, and Jesus does something that just bewilders them. He gets up from the table, he removes his outer robe, he wraps a towel around his waist, and he goes around and he washes the feet of every single disciple. And it's just, it's, it's messing with their heads. You can read the encounter and you can see the encounter that Peter and Jesus have. Like They just can't understand. Like you, you are Jesus. You are the son of God, the Messiah, the deliverer for all of mankind. And yet you're going to wash my feet. But there was a lesson in that. And this is what Jesus said after washing their feet. He put his robe back on again and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. So Jesus is teaching them this crucial, crucial lesson, especially for us men, of servant leadership, of leading from a position of serving of being able to, even though Christ was the Son of God, had all power, all authority, created all things. Through Him, everything was created, and without Him, nothing was created that has been created. He is the ultimate power of the universe. And He said, this is how you lead. You lead by serving. He gave Himself up for us. And so if you look at the scripture, we, we already read the scripture where Jesus said that the husband is ahead of the wife as what? Christ is ahead of the church. And Christ said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I have done. So if I have done this for you, you should do this for others. So 
Here's a paraphrase that I want to give to every man in the room. This is my challenge to you. It's what I challenge myself with every day. I just want to do a little word substitution, so don't go telling anybody, Eddie quoted this out in the Bible, but you're going to see how easy it is to say. It'd be very easy to say, you call me husband and head, and rightfully so, because that is who I am. So if I, your husband and your head, have washed your feet, so you should wash the feet of others. For us men, this is what we have to learn. This is the place that God has called us to have this transactional relationship with Him where we bring all of our strength and all of our courage and all of our power and all of our manliness and we submit it to Him and we use that strength and we use who God's created us to be to serve our wife and our children, to create a place where they can become fully alive. And again, it's, it, it's the little things. It's not, these, it's not these big major events that have to happen. If I go back to the, the picture, the collage of those men that I had, some of the other guys that I think about, um, I think about William there with his two sons because William, if you don't know him, he is an extreme introvert, highly, highly introverted. And he is one of the best table leaders we have in the growth track. Phenomenal, phenomenal table leader, phenomenal at connecting with people. And he's there because one of his times, spending time with the Lord, he felt like the Lord told him that's what he was supposed to do. And he didn't want to do it. He said, no, 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 I'm an introvert. I don't need to sit at a table with a bunch of people I don't know and talk. How are you going to do that? And that's worked out great for me because that's what he does. He gets in there and does that. So that when somebody sits at the table and they start sharing about getting involved, you're like, man, I don't know, William. I don't know if I can, you know, be out there and like greet people coming through the door. He's like, look here. If I can sit at this table and talk to you, you can get out there and shake a hand. I'm extremely introverted. This is like stretching me beyond comparison. But man, when you get around him, it's like because he said yes to God, it's like he steps away from his abilities and what he can do, and he fully steps into who God's created him to be. And he taps in to where God says, you know what? In your weakness, I'm made perfect. I'm, my strength is made strong. So yes, William, you're not extroverted. You might not think you have what it takes, but you're just the man that I need to be in there. That's the thing. That's the thing that makes a difference. I think about Mr. Gussler. Mr. Gussler is one of the key and most crucial people in my life because at a time in my life when I was making some really bad and dumb decisions and headed down a really dark road and my own father was not there to, to correct me or to help me or support me, he stepped into my life at that crucial moment and became that father figure. He brought the strength of who he was and, and he helped corral me and he helped lead and guide my life in such a way to get me to where I am today. And here's the thing that I love about Mr. Gussler. And here's the thing I want to say to every single person, especially those of you that are older, especially those of you who say, well, Eddie, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a good role model because you should see my kids. When that man stepped into my life, one of his own kids was as far out in left field as you could get. They couldn't have been running any crazier or harder or living any darker of a lifestyle. So he could have very easily said, well, who am I? 
to have any impact on this young man's life. But he didn't. He saw, he saw where my life was headed. He saw that need and he stepped in and he met that need regardless of what was going on with his own kids. And that's what we're all called to do. You can't, if you wait until you're fully qualified, you're not ever going to do anything. But if you can tap into the fact that God can use you right where you are, right here, right now, all you got to do is come to him and just say, God, would you just use me? I think about Chris Miller, who you can go back in the two-year-old room and find him rolling around on the floor with the two-year-olds back there. And it was just two years ago that he and I went to lunch one day, and he was coming to the church because his wife came to the church. But he was very honest with me. He said, Ed, i got to tell you, I'm pretty much agnostic on this whole God thing. I'm just not sure I believe it. And we started this relationship, and he rededicated his life to the Lord, and he has jumped in full bore, and he is serving like crazy. He's immersed in the church. But even in his own relationship with his son is very estranged. He has a teenage son, and they have a very estranged relationship right now. So it would be very easy for him to say, no, I, I, you know, until I get that straight. But see, it's backwards. Because what I know is because of what Chris is doing, and not qualifying himself, but saying God has qualified me to do this, and in serving like that, and the heart change is happening in him, that will be the key that will bring the relationship with his own son back full circle. That's just how it works. That's how God operates. I got one more picture that I want to share with you guys um, before we go back into a song, and it's the picture of the elder family from baptism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I saw this picture on social media and I thought, what a, a, a perfect picture of what I'm talking about. I mean, hey, look at the joy on his wife's face. I mean, that's just pure joy. That is priceless. You can't, you can't manufacture that. You can't create that. And you for sure cannot get an older brother to get that excited about his younger brother getting baptized. I mean, look at that. But what I don't want you to miss, because yes, it was for the baptism, but I think this is, I want to say the word prophetic, but for those of you that don't, don't know exactly what that means, what I mean is it's a it's a natural image of something that happens in the spirit. I want you to notice where Terry is, the dad. I want you to notice how he's down here. On his knees with his boys in that baptismal. See, what you don't know about Terry, or you might not know, is that sucker's big. <laughs> That's a big boy. I mean, when he was coming down in the baptismal, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that he is not getting baptized. Because <laughs> I don't know I can get him back up once we got down. But I love this image of even physically this very big and strong man down on his knees. And from that position of serving his children, of serving his wife, he creates this atmosphere. So, well, Eddie, how do you know he created that atmosphere? Again, conversation I'm having with Terry and Angie. And we're talking about the marriage ministry. They're leading a marriage group. I said, Terry, what's your story? How did you you know, get into leading this marriage group. He said, I, he said, well, Eddie said, you know, first couple of years that Angie and I were married, we fought all the time. He said, it was not a good relationship and it was not a good marriage. And he said, my words back to her were always the same. Hey, you knew what you were getting into. You married me. This is how God made me. Deal with it. 
He said, one day I said that, and the Lord got a hold of my heart. And he said, no, that's not the way I made you. And she doesn't need to deal with it. You do. You need to get your heart back in connection with me and start living your life the way I've called you to live. I've got, I've got this that I'm trying to unleash in your life. And until you break that attitude that that's just how you are and you can't change, that can't happen. And so he did. And he began to allow the Word of God to work in his heart. And he had this transactional relationship where the Lord began to show him as a true man of God how to serve his wife and how to serve his family. I'll tell you just how important I believe this topic is. For me personally, if you go back to that collage, you'll see a picture of my son-in-law, Blake. When Blake came to ask for my daughter's hand in marriage, that was funny. It was just he and I at the house. Mary Kate and Susan were out doing something. And Blake is very personable. He is very easy to talk to. He is very conversational, and he is never awkward. And all of a sudden, he was not all of those things. And he was up jittery, moving around in the kitchen and, and putting stuff in the microwave that really didn't even belong in there. I don't know what he was doing with it. He was trying to find something to do, and he's moving around, and I knew what was coming. And he's like, so, uh, so, Mr. Eddie, so, uh, you know, uh, what, you know, what do you think? What do you think about one day, you know, I, you know, I don't know, one day, one day maybe... You know, maybe yeah, me and Mary Kate, you know, maybe one, maybe one day, what do you think about maybe us, uh, uh, maybe getting married? And I was like, well, Blake, that depends. Are we talking about one day or are we talking about now? Uh, uh, uh well, um, uh, that, yeah, now, now. And it was fun, and I talked to him. I give him my uh, godfather response. I said I would meet with you because you're a man who demands respect. <laughs> and I will give you my answer. I must say yes to you, and I'll tell you why. Now all the godfather friends are like, no, he said no. No, I said yes. And I did tell him why. You know, they say that your daughters marry their dads. That's supposed to be all the good stuff that's in your dad. Well, I had a pretty rough upbringing, but Blake, God bless his heart, made my childhood look like I brought up in Disneyland. He's just had a lot of hardship in his life. And now he's sitting next to me asking for my daughter's hand. And I said, here's why I'm going to say yes. Because I've watched you in your relationship with Jesus and your desire to be like Him and your desire to have your, your understanding that you don't know what it means to be a husband or a father, but your desire that God would show you and that the Lord would show you and me watching you change. Just in this past year, we had had conversations and we had talked about different things and to watch you 
own your stuff and not only own it, but go to the Lord with it and allow the Lord to work in your heart. That kind of man is the man that I can give my daughter to. And so, yes, you can have my daughter's hand in marriage. And so I want to say that to every single man that's in here, that it is never too late. You are never past the point of no return. There is no such thing with God. There is no point of no return. The only point of no return will be one day when Jesus Christ comes back, which glory to God will be in two months, I'm hoping. <laughs> but there's no point of no return. It is so simple because like that song we sang earlier, Rattle, which we're going to sing again, a part of it, you know, it says, my God is able to heal and restore and deliver and put back together anything that he wants to. But then there's these crazy words in there. You're probably like, what kind of words are those? It's words like, this is the sound of dry bones rattling. And there's another phrase that says, just ask the man that was thrown on the bones of Elisha. And if you don't go to church and you don't know your Bible, you'd be like, y'all got some crazy Halloween stuff going on up in here. <laughs> but I want to explain it to you because it's crucial. It's crucial. The dry bones rattling. There's a prophet in the Old Testament. His name was Ezekiel. And Ezekiel was a prophet to Israel at a time where it seemed like all hope was lost. Just like any good movie. You ever go to a movie and it's like, you know, the action is building, you know, the confrontations are building, and all of a sudden the hero is just dealt a death blow and it appears that all is lost. But what always happens? There's always a resurrection moment. There's always a moment where the hero is re-envisioned, re-empowered, reinvigorated, and they believe in themselves again in literal resurrection that happens of who they are. And so Ezekiel is at this time in Israel's history where all seems lost, and God is trying to break through and help Ezekiel see, I can do anything, Ezekiel. And so he gives him this vision, and in this vision, Ezekiel's standing in this huge valley, and there are just dry bones everywhere. They're human bones, dry human bones. They're not connected. There's an arm over here, leg over there, ribs over here, all, all just dry white bones just everywhere. And God says, Ezekiel. Can these bones live? And after a brief conversation, God says to Ezekiel, you command these bones. You say to these bones, God says live. And Ezekiel speaks to those bones. And, and in the vision, he hears rattling. And the rattling he hears is these bones starting to snap together. And flesh starts growing around him. And it goes all the way out to being a great army that stands up. And God's trying to get him to see, Ezekiel, this is what I can do. This is a vision, but this is what I can do. And then if you go to ask the man that was thrown on the bones of Elisha, that is a real story. That's not a vision. Israel was being pursued by their enemies. They'd already lost some people. They're trying to bury their dead. And if you don't know, they don't dig down into the ground. They bury them in tombs of rocks. They put rocks over them to make these little tombs. So they're trying to bury the dead. The enemy's burying down. They don't have time. They're like, man, throw them bodies in those tombs right there. They throw one body in the tomb that had this man named Elisha. And Elisha was a mighty man of God, incredible power, did some of the greatest miracles ever in the power of God. And when that dead man hit his bones, he sprang back to life. Now that's pretty cool. But what I've always wanted to know in that story is what all them other guys do that were standing around that tomb? 
What happens when you throw a dead body in and it comes jumping back out? That, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I would like to see. But here's what I know. Wherever you are, wherever your family is, wherever your children are, it is not too late. It is not beyond the point of no return. Even if your children aren't here anymore, God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he has destined you to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And so if you just release your faith and believe for it, God will redeem. He will heal. He will restore. He will put you back in a place that you can't put yourself. You're right in that. You can't fix it. You can't, but God can. So I'm just going to ask everyone to stand to your feet. And if you're in here and you're with your spouse and y'all are on rocky ground, you need to stand on these words that God is able to heal and deliver and restore. As we sing this song, let the faith and the power of God activate in you that God can restore all things according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Woo! Yes! God is a good God. And every man in here, I want you to walk out now, chest out a little bit, knowing who you are, knowing who you are. Don't let this world dictate who you are. You are a man of God, designed and created on purpose for a mission in this life so far beyond anything you could ever ask or imagine. So every man in the room, every man online, Happy Father's Day. Go out, let your children lavish you. Let your wife lavish you. Y'all go out, have a good time. Enjoy Father's Day. God bless you. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.